You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M, and today is Texas A&M really a running back university? We have the wide receiver used, the QB used, the DL used, the OLUs, but RBU, does Texas A&M fall into that category? Well, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but they should at least for 2021. If you love talk of Texas A&M and all teams at the SEC, there's only one place to get that info where you can get it five days a week, and that's Locked On SEC with Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790. Gordy breaks down all 14 teams in every single sport, including college basketball, college baseball, and of course, college football. Follow the Locked On SEC podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast listening systems. As always, if you love this show and love me, make sure you're following me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to make this a more quality sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a follow, give me a shout out, and I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked On Aggies. Locked On Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th May related content found here on LOP. You can subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, Listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. So, RBU, these university-style approaches, do you like them? Do you not? I'm one of these people who kind of sits on the fence with it. I think there's a lot to like about it, but I think there's a lot also that just doesn't work with the whole RBU kind of style. And that's not to say that there's, you know, a right or wrong answer for this, but Every single year, it feels like there's a new team that joins the conversation. Remember a few years ago when Alabama was the prime subjective RBU? And then recently, you've seen Ohio State kind of make a claim for it, LSU make a claim for it, Georgia make a claim for it, Miami make a claim for it, USC make a claim for it. And it's just like, well, why? Because they've had a few good players come out in the last decade or so? Or is it because of they believe that right now, they are RBU. Think of this one, DBU. LSU, for a while, has held that title. And before that, it was Miami. It's been LSU as far as I can remember. But now you have Alabama chirping in. And you have Georgia chirping in. And you have Florida coming in. And you have Ohio State coming into the conversation. Because of their success of transforming talent from the collegiate level to the pros, it now gives them a backbone to stand on. So I look at this and I go, okay, when you see these teams and you see how they're situated and how they're fluctuated going into the season, one would argue that an RBU only works if you continue to be an RBU. So naturally, when you look at Texas A&M, do they fall into the RBU list? If I were to go into this season alone, just 2021, I would arguably put them as the number two RBU because of the talent that they have on the roster right now. Now, with the history, I would go with Alabama number one because of the talent they've produced in years past and what they could be producing in this year. But just go down the list. I mean, we can go back just a few years ago and we still have top-notch running backs. Najee Harris, last year. Before him, Damian Harris. Before him, Derrick Henry. Before him, Kenyon Drake. 
Before him, you had TJ Yeldon. Before him, Eddie Lacy. Before him, Trent Richardson. Before him, way back in the 90s, early 2000s, Sean Alexander. Like, we gotta go all the way back. But just looking at this year alone, Brian Robinson doesn't do it for me. He doesn't even remotely do it for me. If we're talking about this year alone, A&M should come in at number one, easily, in the SEC. Because if Isaiah Spiller is one name, but he's one dang good name. And then you have a lot of supporting cast characters that could also be really talented names. Like Anaya Smith, who isn't a running back, but he also isn't a wide receiver. He's a weapon. Use him to your advantage and prosper. You also have guys like Devon A-Chain, who is a home run threat, but it adds tremendous value to a roster that needs that type of mentality to expand their play this year. Then you go with a guy like a DeAndre Jackson, who we've yet to see play, but he could be a really good third down back. And eventually, teams are going to see that and go, listen, we need that change of pace player. Guy who can get it in on third and short. Guy who we know when the when he is in the backfield, it's coming his way. And we either have to get out of his way or he's going to bulldoze us over. And then you have an up-and-comer who nobody knows a dang thing about, but it could be interesting. And that would be LJ Johnson. That's five running backs who have tremendous value. And each of them likely would be a starter on a different roster. Anaya Smith maybe isn't a starter at a running back, but he would have the same role if he was at Alabama. He would have this exact same role if he was at Georgia or Florida State or Florida or Oklahoma or Ohio State. Because if he's just so versatile with that. But look at every other running back right now. Who would not want to take Isaiah Spiller of those teams I mentioned? Maybe Oklahoma is the only one where I could justifiably go, you know what? They're good. Because they already have a 1,000-yard runner in Kennedy Brooks coming back. And they also have Eric Gray, who they added from Tennessee. But every other team I mentioned, why wouldn't you want to go from Trey Sermon to Isaiah Spiller if you were in Columbus? Why would you not want to go to that if you were in Tallahassee? And I get it. I know they have a running back already in Jay Sean Corbin who has already played at Texas A&M. But at the same time, Isaiah Spiller likely would have taken him out of that number one role this year because of what he did in 2019 when Corbin was hurt. So that's another thing you have to throw into consideration. Alabama would love to have Spiller. I know that for a fact. I think Auburn is the only school right now, and maybe you could throw South Carolina in the mix in the SEC. If Isaiah Spiller said, you know what, I'm going to transfer, goodbye College Station and good riddance, to where they'd go, you know what, man, we're good. We don't need you. Because Tank Bigsby is a name that's on the rise and should be a very successful runner in 2021. And on the same side, Kevin Harris was arguably the only guy who was next to him and Najee Harris's name last season in the SEC. So I justifiably understand those two schools not wanting to go after a guy like Spiller. But every other school in the SEC 100% should be piling up to go get him. And when that happens, that shows why you are RBU. But here's the other reason I say that you are RBU. At least for this year, and at least in the SEC. When you look at the backups, who would not want LJ Johnson? Who would not want DeAndre Jackson? Who would not want Devon A-Chain? 
as your lead back. Each one of them plays a different style. Each one of them is completely different with how they approach the game. But each one of them has shown they can be successful in high school enough to be a lead running back at the next level, especially in the SEC. You have a home run threat in A-Chain, you have a power guy in Jackson, and you have a little bit of both in LJ Johnson. Why would you not want that? When you have four guys who you could trust to be your lead running back on the roster, and they're splitting reps with each other, that to me says everything I need to know about the running back situation. So again, should Texas A&M be considered an RBU? Right now, this year, yes. Long term, that's still up for debate. But I will say they have produced NFL running backs for quite some time. Travion Williams, Trey Williams, Christian Michael, the list goes on and on. They have been successful with the running back position. And this could be the start of them solidifying their status as an RBU. College football is right around the corner, and with it, you're going to be able to make your biggest bets. But when you do make those bets, make sure you go to the one place we love and the one place we trust, that's betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to place your bets on all sporting action. So whether you're trying to kick in a baseball game, watch a first pitch, or watch kickoff, anything you want, you can go ahead and make those bets. Head on over to BetOnline.ag and type in the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbooks experts. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, let's continue this conversation. The tight end position. This is going to be an area I watch exclusively starting tomorrow. Media practice is available. I will be up there. I'll be able to look at my observations, see what I like, see what I think are some things that AM needs to improve on. There's a lot I'm going to be paying attention to. But the tight end position could be so beneficial for Texas AM in 2020. It's uncanny. It really is. When you look at the NFL right now and you look at young quarterbacks, the two most targeted positions for a young quarterback are a slot wide receiver and a tight end. Now, why is that? Well, one, slot receivers usually run routes at about five to eight to 10 yards. That's about their limit. Whatever they do afterwards, after the catch, is on them. Every once in a blue moon, you'll see them run about a 15-yard um, route up the seam, a wheel route, maybe a deep comeback. Sometimes you'll see them run a deep slant. But 90% of the time, I would say it's about 5 to 7 yards. And the reason they're targeted so much is because a quarterback is afraid of trying to extend plays deep downfield. So what they'll do is they'll talk themselves into getting the completion rate to where they have a high completion ratio and a decent QBR rating, but they don't really move the ball. They'll throw for 3,500 yards on the year and they'll make it look successful, but they only have 15 touchdowns, 17 touchdowns, 20 touchdowns at the most. Same with tight ends, but the difference between a tight end and a slot receiver is tight ends are bigger. So a tight end, if you're playing from a three-point stance is going to be able to bulldoze that first defender over. It's going to take more than one player to bring them down. So even though they're running about seven to nine yards, and again, every once in a while, you'll have them run about a 15-yard seam route right up the middle of the field. You try to uh, fluster it right over the defensive back's head, right into the cradle, 
And once you get that ball into that cradle, you call it a day. That's like ultimately what you want if you are a quarterback. But 90% of the time, five to seven yards. Difference, one is using speed, one is using size. We know who the slot receiver 90% of the time will be for Texas A&M this year. It should be Anaya Smith, and he's going to do a lot of damage after the catch. We know this because if he's done it for years, he did it in 2019, he did it last year in 2020, he'll do it again in 2021. But tight end could be very interesting because Jalen Weidemeyer, we know what he is. Super talented player, excellent tight end after the catch, somebody who can work the middle of the field, somebody who is known for being able to get those extra yards, and a decent blocker. But what you're adding is a hopeful, healthy Baylor Cup, who has missed the past two seasons due to injuries that cost him his career at the very start. So we don't really know much about what Baylor Cup could even be at this level. He could be a really talented number two. He could actually compare next to Jalen Weidemeyer and fight for number one reps. Or he could straight out stink. And then you have other guys like Max Wright, who's best known for blocking. And then Blake Smith, who is a receiving tight end and basically a straight up flex option. So I look at these four and I actually believe that these four could be something special. You just have to find the right pairing. Now, the easy answer would be, okay, Baylor Cup, he shows out, his six foot eight frame, his 240-pound body moves like a 210-pound tight end, and he immediately is just a huge threat to this team. That would be the easy answer. But there are other answers that you want to look at. Are you looking to run a more 12-man personnel to where instead of using a flex tight end, you have a guy with his hand in the dirt? If that's the case, maybe you go with Max Wright who is known for being a solidified blocker. And if you want to go the other direction, if you want to go with a more spread offense, do you take a guy like Blake Smith and put his hand outwards as a flex option and he be a red zone target? There's a lot of different ways when I look at this offense for Texas A&M that I believe there could be something special here. And the tight end position is going to be so huge because I mentioned this yesterday. The running back position is going to be influential because if you don't really know what you have at quarterback, you're still trying to figure out, is Haynes King or is Zach Calzada the guy? If either of them are the guy and they do show promise and progress throughout their overall stature in the game, I do believe that either one of them can win because of the weapons supporting them. But it's going to take time to adjust to college football level playing. Neither of these two have seen a ton of action in the last two years. King sat most of last year. Calzada didn't see a snap last year. And then on top of that, Calzada played in a handful of games in 2019. So they're going to need to adjust. What's the easiest way to adjust? Trusting your tight ends and trusting your slot receivers. The problem is, Anaya Smith is the only slot receiver as of today that I trust to be a significant three-down player. The tight end position, I know what I have in Jalen Weidemeyer. I'm not worried about him. Do I think Blake Smith can take that next step? If I do, I feel really confident in that spot. Do I feel like Max Wright can be more effective as a pass blocker and as a receiving option on, say, the red zone? If so, 
I use that option. And if Baylor Cup can live up to standards, I have arguably the best tight end combination in the country to where I can use both of them on every single play, not worry about my wide receiver selection. If I want to run a three receiver set, no running back, and play Anaya Smith as that third receiver to where I'm not worried about what I'm running. That's the way that I look at how well this offense can be utilized with a two tight end set. Either way, that is going to be the position I am paying exclusive attention to for tomorrow's practice. And that is a good one. That is one I think that I have to watch completely if I want to be safe. And by me, I mean, of course, the quarterback. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Did you know that Bilt Bar has nine unique flavors? So no matter what flavor you're into, whether you be coconut, cherry, um, mint, mint brownie, raspberry, peanut butter brownie, there's a unique flavor out there for you. And if you don't know what flavor you want, that's okay. They have a variety box that has two flavors of every kind. The bars are covered in 100% real chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew. Most gar- uh, bars have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugars, 4 grams of net carbs. There's not a product like this out on the shelves, guys. Go visit BillBar.com and type in the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your very next purchase. That's LOCKED15 at BillBar.com. Stop eating the salty sweets and enjoy a treat that will meet your needs. Built Bar from BuiltBar.com. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Betting on the Aggies doesn't have to be hard when you just know that it's not a guessing game. And you won't be a guessing game if you listen to the new show, Locked On Bets, presented by your boy Q, Andy Caffey, expert, Lee Sterling. If you picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day, when you follow the Locked On Bets podcast, brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast listening systems. So I've had this conversation for a while, and I do want to bring this up. In your opinion, right now, who do you believe is the biggest threat to A&M outside of Alabama? Who is it? Because if there is a multitude of ways I think this, this could go. Most people, I would say, believe it's going to be LSU. But I personally believe it's going to be Ole Miss. Because Ole Miss's offense is something scary. It's something dynamic. It's something that A&M didn't get to see last year because that was the one game that was canceled. Remember, A&M went 8-1 during the regular season, 9-1 with the win over the likes of North Carolina in the Orange Bowl. They didn't get to see that one team. That one team was Ole Miss. Now, I'm not here to say that Ole Miss would have, beat, uh, would have beaten A&M last year. But what I am saying is, when you watch game film every year, I take into consideration watching film on your team versus your opponent and the last couple games against your opponent. Because if you're going to be able to see where you messed up as a coach in your play calling against the other coach in his play calling. So again, a team like LSU... You can see, okay, we won the game. It was closer than we wanted. We should have been able to blow them out. Our offense wasn't able to do anything. Who were some players that are returning? Where were some holes that we need to look at for next season? That's what you do when you watch LSU in the film of 2020. You don't have that film on Lane Kiffin. You don't have that film on Matt Corral. You don't have that film on Jeff Levy's offense. Now, the good news is, They're missing two key pieces of that stellar number one passing attack last year. Kenny Yaboa and Elijah Moore, for some strange coincidence, both are now with the New York Jets. 
they were a one-two combination that made Corral's job so easy in the passing game to where he was able to average over 400 yards a game throwing. That's just the deal. He was able to average that because if he had two consistent weapons. But they are returning seven starters. And they are returning Jerry and Early in the backfield, which is a big deal if you look at what Ole Miss is trying to do. Be a more explosive, expansive offense. Now again, when you look back at the film of an Alabama, of an Auburn, of an LSU, you can probably feel a little bit more confident seeing where you messed up, seeing where you went right. You now have to watch so much film on Ole Miss on where other teams messed up and teams that play a similar defensive formation as you against that offense. You have to see what your offense looks like on a different team and where their defense was able to make strides. The only good news is that their defense was god-awful last year. That is literally the only good news. But I look at this Ole Miss team, and if their defense is able to improve in year two under DJ Jerkin, who did not have a full offseason to really teach the players his system, and if this offense can be as explosive as they were in 2020, in 2021, what does this mean for Ole Miss? Ultimately, I think that all they are is a contending New Year Six Bowl team. I look at Texas A&M, I look at Alabama, I view them as college football playoff contenders. Hands down, they are in the conversation of college football contention. That is what they are, without a doubt. But the question is, when you look at this A&M team as a whole, they don't have a flaw on either side of the ball. Overall, Ole Miss could, but if they don't, are they at least upsetting Alabama, who has to replace most of their offense, most of their offensive pieces, and their offensive coordinator in Steve Sarkeesian, or will they upset A&M? And that could really dictate more on who wins the SEC West than anything else. We know for a fact that the battle is going to be between Alabama and A&M for the title of the SEC West going into the year. But say Alabama beats A&M, A&M beats Ole Miss, Ole Miss beats Alabama. Technically, A&M would move on. Technically. Because the team that beat Alabama did not beat A&M. But even though A&M lost to Alabama, they beat the team that beat Alabama. And even though A&M lost, I mean, even though Alabama beat A&M, they did not beat Ole Miss. So honestly, you could look at Ole Miss and they could probably be about a 9-3 team, but that 9-3 team could have so much power in deciding the SEC West if they take down an Alabama team with one loss and if A&M beats Ole Miss the week before. And on the flip side, if A&M beats Alabama but loses to Ole Miss, that also could set the standard of what happens in the SEC West. I thought it was very interesting how Ole Miss got the bid in the preseason rankings at number 25. The coaches are seeing something happening in Oxford, and I'm seeing something happening in Oxford. And I'm telling you right now, 
Don't include LSU into your conversation just yet, but maybe include the Rebels going into 2021. I honestly think, outside of Alabama, A&M's biggest threat is Ole Miss. And the worst part is, they have no film to prepare on them playing this Lane Kiffin-led offense. That is a little scary. At least the good news is, offense wins games, defense wins championships, and with the defense that you saw in 2020, yeah, they're not winning much down in Oxford. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcast listening systems. And also, make sure you're checking out allaggies.com. We report on everything going up in College Station heading into the 2021 season. We'll see you tomorrow. And remember, big up y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.